this, some of you don't. Uh, I was a, uh, a minister of music at a church in Pride. You guys know where Pride is. Some of you drove from Pride tonight to be here. Um, a Galilee Baptist church, which is Pride is basically between Zachary and Central on Highway 64, also known as God's Country. Um, and I was 19. They needed a uh, they needed a minister of music, or I needed basically somebody to come lead the singing for, uh, for two Sundays. And so uh, I'd just been on this uh, BCM ski trip, and uh, the, all the Bible studies at night were about using your gifts, and I had not been using my gifts. And so, uh, you know, kind of the challenge at the end of the week, if you know Steve Masters, you've probably been... You've probably received the same challenge. What's to begin to use your gifts in the church for the glory of the Lord? And so uh, I said, okay, God, I've not been using my gifts as a musician. And so I, uh, y'all, y'all hear that feeding back? Y'all working on that? Curiously. Um, it's because my voice is so deep. Um, problem I've had in my whole life, sorry. Um, and, uh, so I basically said, okay, God, if you want me to use my gifts, then just open the door, I'll go through it. In my mind, that meant playing the bass on Sunday mornings at Zor. Uh, that um, was not the case. Um, Zor did not want me to play the bass, but Galilee wanted me to come lead the singing for two weeks. That became um, about a year and a half where I did that. It was my part-time job in college, and so on Sunday mornings, I would get up and put on my suit and would roll into Galilee where I was the only staff member. Um, they had a different preacher come every week because they didn't have a pastor, they didn't have an education guy, they didn't have a children's guy, they didn't have a youth guy, they had me. And um, I was part-time, 19 years old, never led anything in my life like this. And so um, I had a choir and we did choir specials each week and uh, I led the singing like this and said, You'll stand and turn to him. 375, as Victory in Jesus, we'll sing the first, second, and last standards. That was, that was me. I did that. And um, it didn't take me long to figure out that, that it, just like every church, there were, uh, there were certain songs that the congregation loved to sing. And not just kind of liked them, but I mean like would get excited. Like you really could, could put it on the list every week and that would be totally fine. And one of those songs was, uh, was called, it was, a, it was a hymn called Standing on the Promises. Anybody familiar? We could probably sing it right now, and more of you than would be willing to admit would know all the words. And um, so Standing on the Promises is, is a classic old Baptist hymn, and I'm pretty sure that the reason why all the men like to sing it is because on the chorus, men had their own part. And so all the guys on the back row of the choir who all sang bass got really excited when Standing on the Promises came on because they got to sing the Standing on the Promises, Standing on the Promises. They got to sing that part, and they loved it. And so um, that was just one of those songs that any time it was on there, it was a home run. And so 
if I made the mistake of doing songs I didn't like one week, I would just work in Standing on the Promises the next week, and that was redemption for me. And um, if I was the, the kind of uh, pastor who, uh, who entitles sermons, which it's fine that people do, I just never have done that, um, I would call this one Standing on the Promises, but then I would put in parentheses, question mark. And if you subscribe to the podcast, that's probably what I'm going to call it. And so uh, just be ready for that. It would be standing on the promises, and then parentheses, question mark. And, th- and this is why. Um, I believe that there are promises from God that we can stand on. I believe that there are promises that we often stand on that are not necessarily promises from God. I think there's a difference. I think that um, we have to be really, really careful when, when we look at the role that God plays in our lives, believing that He leads us, that He guides us, that He has a plan for us, that um, His mercies are new every morning, and, but all that kind of stuff. And when, when God starts leading us and, and doing all the things that we know he's going to do as our shepherd, as our king, um, we have to be really careful about attaching the word promise to that. And you might, you might think, oh, that's just semantics, you know. But I think it's more than that. I think terminology and theology are pretty closely linked. And if we're not careful, bad terminology becomes bad theology. Next thing you know, we're standing on promises that God never made to us, but we're declaring it as though He did. And that's a dangerous place to live, and unfortunately, a lot of us, and I say us inclusively, do that very, that very thing. We believe God is, is leading us in a direction, and then next thing you know, that becomes, well, God promised me this was going to happen. When God never really promised that was going to happen. And January of 2000, a group of people got together um, at Jake Rush's house on Triple B, on Triple B Drive or whatever it's called in Central, and we got together and we had been praying about whether or not this was going to happen, whether or not the ring was going to become a church. And we left that meeting after having prayed separately and not communicating with each other for 30 days. We came together and we believed that God put us on the same page, saying that that the ring was was headed in that direction and God was going to make it become a church. And I have probably communicated that uh, in the past nine years as saying, yeah, God promised us he would become a church, and then he did it. But I don't think that's the correct way to communicate that. He didn't promise us it was going to become a church. He told us that he was leading us in that direction. You might not think there's a lot of difference, but maybe, maybe as we get into it a little bit, maybe you'll see a little bit more what I'm talking about, because it's real easy for us to, to look at, at God's leadership and to slap the word promise on it. And when you do that, everything changes. We can interpret his leadership as him promising us stuff, or we can put that label on it, but that's not really what we're supposed to do. And the easiest way to avoid doing that is to stand on promises that he's actually made, that we know he's actually made. Let's turn together to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to keep moving uh, kind of chronologically through the end of um, 
Jesus' life. We looked at the triumphal entry, looked at the Easter story and his death and resurrection. Last week we looked uh, after he had appeared to his disciples again and he reinstated Peter. And um, so now we're just going to keep moving. And this is, this is the part of the story where Jesus leaves them again. Um, so he has been crucified. He has died. He has been brought back to life, given uh, a completely new body and all that kind of stuff. And he's appeared and he's lived among the disciples for 40 days. And now comes the time where he says adios. And this is his parting, um, parting speech, or however you want to call it. Um, starting verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, in between the two um, things we're going to look at tonight, you find the, the Great Commission passage where, where Jesus hands over the church and, and commissions them to go and to um, basically replicate what he has done with them to other people and to baptize them to... To where people identify themselves with Jesus and they learn his ways and then they teach others and it goes out from there. And so I don't want the fact that we're not going to talk about that specifically tonight. I don't want you to take that and say that I don't think it's important. Because I, I think it's pretty important. Um, but we're going to look at what he says first and then at what he says last. In the context of talking about promises, these things are, are pretty specific. Um, Verse 18, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I'm going to read you something that's coming off my phone because I couldn't get it to print. So I apologize for being that guy right now. Sometimes I have to leave community group off of my phone because my printer in my house doesn't work, and I always have to apologize. Um, let me read this to you. Um, Whenever I'm like preparing for messages and stuff, a lot of times I'll go and I'll look to see, uh, you know, I have all these books in this awesome library that you guys gave me. Um, and I also go and I'll look and see if, if any, uh, any pastors that I have a lot of respect for have taught on this text before and see if they can learn. Um, a lot of times it's, it's difficult to find. And one reason why I quote John Piper often um, is not because I'm a Piperite. Like I'm, I'm not like, you know, I'm not one of those guys. I have a lot of respect for John Piper, and I think um, I think there's so much. I think he has impacted more lives than like anybody recognizes. And uh, but one of the, you know, the awesome things is that every one of his sermon manuscripts is on his website. He puts everything up there. And so uh, one reason I quote him a lot is because he's one of the few guys who will do that. You know, there's no copywriting. There's no I'm turning this into a book, so you can't have it. You know, or anything like that. Um, it's all up there to see. And so and he unpacks a text so incredibly well that he's often uh, part of my study time. This is what he says. Um, we are looking at where it says that all authority has been given to me. He just begins this parting speech by saying, every bit of authority has been given to me. This is what Piper writes about that. He says, all authority. He has authority over Satan 
and all demons, over all angels, good and evil, over the natural universe, natural objects and laws and forces, stars, galaxies, planets, meteorites, authority over all weather systems, winds, rain, lightning, thunder, hurricanes, tornadoes, monsoons, typhoons, cyclones, authority over all their effects, tidal waves, floods, fires, authority over all molecular and atomic reality, atoms, electrons, protons, neutrons, undiscovered subatomic particles, quantum physics, genetic structures, DNA, chromosomes, authority over all plants and animals, both great and small, whales and redwoods, giant squid and giant oaks, all fish, all wild beasts, all invisible animals and plants, bacteria, viruses, parasites, germs, authority over all the parts and functions of the human body, over every beat of the heart, every breath of the diaphragm, every electrical jump across a million synapses in our brain, authority over all nations and governments, congresses, legislatures, presidents, kings, premiers, and courts, authority over all armies and weapons and bombs and tariffs, authority over all industry and business and finance and currency, authority over all entertainment and amusement and leisure and media, over all education and research and science and discovery, authority over all crime and violence, over all families, all neighborhoods, over the church, over every soul, and every moment, and every life that's ever been or ever will be lived. I thought that was awesome. So when Jesus says all authority, all authority, that everything that exists, he has been placed over that. Now I want you to just take a second and let that truth apply to your life specifically. I mean, think about your life. Every aspect of your life. Jesus has been placed in authority over that. Over your mind. Over your heart. Over your tendencies, your behaviors, your frustrations, your greatest victories, your losses. Those habits that you want so desperately to break. The ways that you feel like you've messed up and you dropped the ball. All the ways that you think you're awesome. He's over you. He's over your job. Your employer, your employees, your co-workers, Jesus has been placed in authority over them, specifically in your life. Um, your, your family, if you're married, Jesus has been placed in authority over your marriage. If you have kids, he's been placed in authority over your kids. He's in authority over their behavior, over their salvation, over their um, obedience to you and to him. He's an authority over them. He's an authority over dating relationships, authority over the friendships that you have. Um, he is an authority over your finances. God the Father has placed him over that. So no matter what the economy does and how that trickles down to you, Jesus has been placed over that. Um, the church that you are part of, 
this body of believers, Jesus is the authority over that. We have elders, we have, we have a pastor, whatever. Jesus over that. Like it's, it's really important that we look at our lives and, and every single way that we can break our lives down to acknowledge the fact that Jesus has been placed in authority over them. And here's, I mean, that's, it's important for so many reasons. You came, we couldn't even, we would way run over tonight. We even tried to list them, much less explain them. And as we talk about the promises of God, here's, here's why I think it's important for our discussion tonight. To contextualize that for each one of our lives. So we can look at him being in authority over us. We can take something like our physical bodies and we can, can say, well, then how, okay, if he's in authority over me, then how come, how come I'm sick? How come I'm really worried that this condition that runs in my family, like I may develop this at some point, or how come I fell and broke my ankle? Or, I mean, you know, whatever. Um, we can have all these questions and that can go into all these different areas. But if Jesus is over them, that's got to bring some freedom into our lives. We can approach it from the angle of, well, if he was really in authority, then this wouldn't happen. Those are valid questions. But for tonight, let's look at it a little bit differently. Let's look at him being an authority, not as something that that like sparks debate, but something that frees us. If Jesus is in authority over my physical body and my health, that means that I don't have to worry about that, does it? It doesn't mean I don't take care of myself, take my vitamins, I like that. Drink enough water, get the heart rate up every now and then. But ultimately, his authority covers my physical health, and that frees me. That frees you. Break your life down however you want. Anything you choose, the fact that he's in authority over that frees you from having to worry and stress out, freak out about it. What it does is it frees us to be able to stand on the promise that comes at the end of these verses. And that promise is this. Verse 20. final sentence says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I am with you always to the end of the age. His authority over my life frees me up to be able to stand on this promise and let his presence and him be enough for me. See, this, this is a promise. I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. That is a promise. Every day of my life, I can open up this Bible, I can turn to this scripture, and I can read it, written in red, knowing that this is a promise that God made me.
you're a Christian, you'll never get cancer. Not a promise. If you're a Christian, you get sick, it's because you're being disobedient and God has removed his blessing from your life. Not a promise. However, there are plenty of churches out there where that's exactly what the pastors teach. That prosperity gospel. You know, just come down here, throw your money on the stage, and before long, a Cadillac is going to show up in your driveway. Not a problem. I am with you always. That's a problem. Now, you might sit here and you might think, well, I don't fall for that health and wealth prosperity stuff. Clearly. Well, it shows up in other ways, too. It's real easy for us to take the wants of our life, to morph that into something that we believe God is promising us is going to happen. And then we begin to just build our lives. Not just stand on a promise that he hasn't made, but we begin to build everything around this promise. We go back to 2000. When, when we left that meeting and we felt like God was leading us to become a church, if I had walked out of there as the guy who was going to be giving some leadership to this process, if I had walked out of there and really was like, God promised us we will become a church, and I began to build my life on that, what do you think would have happened after four years? Nothing had happened. We've all been there, right? You think God really told you something, but we put, we put too much into it? Instead of, of, I think God's leading me in this direction, it becomes this promise, and all of a sudden you start making all these plans and building, all this, building your whole life around this or whatever. And when things start to not work out that way, it is the, the house built on a rock versus the house built on sand. I mean, we've, we've all been there. As a college minister for years and as a pastor for a couple of years, I've seen it so many times. And probably the most obvious example would be with relationship. You, know, you get a couple, they date six weeks, they're in love, they're going to get married, and they start playing married and talking married and all this kind of stuff, and it becomes this promise. God's promised us we're going to get married and all this kind of stuff. And then the wheels come off, a couple breaks up, and guys don't sit here and be like, yeah, girls, don't need to quit. Guys do it, guys do it too. I've sat across the table with some weeping boys before. So, uh, and, but, but that's exactly what's happened is, is it's, it's gone from um, some maybe some irresponsible conversations to playing the what-if game a little bit too much and all this kind of stuff. The next thing you know, without even maybe realizing it, you've taken this spark and you've made it into something it was never intended to be. And, but you have like, convinced yourself that God has promised this to you and you've built this entire house, and as soon as things come, the foundation is gone, because you've built on the wrong promise. This is a promise that you build your life on, not something else. I'm not even going to go into other examples, because, I mean, I think it seems like pretty obvious. 
when I look at my life, I can say, you know what? I don't know this. There's a blank. There's right there in my notes. I don't know. There's an empty space. Fill in the blank with whatever you want. But this I know, that God will be with me all. That Jesus told his disciples, who had been in his presence for three years, and they watched him die and go away, and so they didn't have his presence, and everything went crazy, and then they have his presence again, and he's about to leave them again, and he's assuring them, you will never live another day without my presence. This I know. Now let me, let me I'm just going to get very personal. Personally, let me personally apply this to, to show you the challenge of it for me but also because I want you to be able to take your life and your situations and maybe see if there aren't some similar things. See, I'm not, I'm not married. And I may never get married. You know what? God has never promised me that I'm going to get married. Now, there's, so that would be, I don't know if I'm going to get married, but this I know. That Jesus will be with me every moment of every day. That he has been placed in authority over my relationships, which frees me up to stand on this promise. It does not matter. If I never get married, my mom and my dad will be sad. But you know what? If I build my life on this promise, it's all good. As the pastor of the church, I don't know the future of this church. I don't. People ask me all the time, what's your vision? Where do you see things going? And I'm like, Usually I say, and I mean this with all my heart, we're, we're trying to be faithful in this moment right now. I'm not saying we don't look down the road, but sometimes you look down the road and you forsake what's going on around you right now. That's where we were with the college ministry back then. In 2000, we felt like he was leading us in a direction, but the, the, the bigger truth was that it, that's going to happen down the road, and you're going to have college students coming and going for the next couple of years. Don't forsake all those relationships because you're hung up on what's down the road. And so I don't know the future of this church, but what I do know is that Jesus has been placed in authority over it. And so I can, am now free to stand on this promise that whatever the future holds, there will not be a moment where he is not with us, in us, among us, over us. That's freeing to me. With my finances, okay, my salary comes from this church budget, okay? So economy goes down, giving goes down, who knows what's going to happen? Now, let me just a little sidebar here. I'm not afraid to get a job. Okay, so that's, in fact, there are parts of me that think I, that's probably what I should be doing anyway. That's a whole other thing. Now, I can sit around and I can worry about that. I can say, I don't know what my financial future holds, okay? This church aside, who knows? My retirement plan might tank. I might get all my money stolen. Maybe. It's happened before. Um, 
my identity, you know, my whole credit history, whatever. Who, I don't know what my financial future holds. I know Jesus has been placing authority over that, which frees me up to stand on this promise that whatever happens, he will be there. And that is enough. One of my secret fears, and I don't like to admit, is I have this, I have this fear that I'm going to turn on my feet one day, and there's going to be a house on fire, and it's going to be mine. Just telling you. We all have stupid things that we worry about. That's one of mine. And so there's really, and this is so stupid, but literally every time I turn on there, I'm like, please don't let me see a fire truck. And one day I turn, what do I see? A stinking fire truck at my end of the street. And it was okay. I didn't freak out. I didn't start crying. I've seen too many movies where someone's like running, pushing through the fire people or whatever. Uh, but here's the thing. And this, again, I don't know about my house. Maybe it will burn. Jesus is over it. I stand on this promise that if my house burns to the ground, I lose everything I have. He will never leave me or forsake me. I, like everybody, have inherited like genetic material that um, both sides of my family have had health issues. I had a cousin who passed away at my age from a heart condition that nobody knew he had and, and had, he had just like, like been through all this. He was like a, he was a fire safety guy. He had been through all these tests and none of it just didn't catch it. And it just, just took him just like that. I have things on both sides of my family that the doctors want to keep an eye on. Now, I can fill that in the blank. I don't know what my physical health is going to be like down the road. I don't know. This I know. Jesus has been placing authority over me. It frees me to stand on this promise that whatever it is, terrible as it may be, I'll never be without it. That is enough. This is a promise you build your life on. Build your life on promises that you can turn to in Scripture and read for yourself. I cannot turn and find a Scripture that says you're going to get married, Josh, or your house is going to be fine, Josh, or the economy is going to go up and down, but things will be okay in the long run, or you're going to have heart disease when you get to be this age. Those are not things. So you know what? I'm not going to build my life on that. Or I'm going to fight building my life on that stuff because you know it's tempting. Now, I don't know how that idea fits into your life. But in every situation, every single thing you can possibly name, you don't know what's going to happen, but Jesus is in authority over it. It frees you up to stand on that promise. We can't live our lives looking so far down the road that we ignore what's going on around us right now. We can't create promises that God's never made. And we can't ignore the ones written in red and the ones that are right here in this Bible that he's given us. It says, build your life on this. Take care of the other stuff. This is not the only promise. It's full of promise. And you know what? Every single one of these promises, things only he can do. You can force marriage. 
You can force marriage. You can force any kind of relationship deal. You can hustle your way and take make sure you're okay financially. Church can be run by earthly leadership. You can, you can force all that stuff. Promises to build your life on are things that only God can do. You've done it that way on purpose. And I don't know... I don't know exactly how things fit into your life. That's just between you and him. But I know this. If you're standing on the wrong promises, you're going to get crushed at some point. So I think the takeaway is for you just to ask yourself, what promises am I standing on? you take that question and you take it to Jesus and you say Jesus show me and he may show you some great promises that are from him that you have built your life on he may encourage you in some things and he may also correct you in some things that's the beauty of a personal relationship with God whatever it is he's an authority over it that frees you to stand on this amazing promise. Not a moment. Anything that is to come, including this moment, you have to endure apart from his presence. And his presence changes everything. Let me, let me pray for you. Father, what a thought. What a truth. And I pray that, God, that you will show us what you want to show us, that we'll stay out of your way. And God, these closing moments, I'm sure it's just the beginning. God, I pray that you will tear down some things in our lives. Maybe it begins tonight and it goes on for weeks or maybe just days, who knows. God, help us to have the humility and the trust to go forward. How to apply verse 18 to our lives, that you have authority over everything. God, may we experience the freedom that that brings tonight. God, as we all over this room are, are asking you that question and really seeking your guidance and your leadership. God, I pray that you will speak and direct.